everyone. Welcome to the show, Tennessee Wildcast, your weekly TWRA podcast show. I'm Doug Markham, Jason Harmon. Glad to have you here. Got a good show for you today. We're going to cover so much area today in a quick, short time, but we're going to cover a lot of ground yep. and water. Hey, water, yes. it's going good. Uh, we got some things ending, some things still going on, mm-hmm. a thing or so beginning. So, waterfowlers, your time's almost done except for the light goose season and the crane season, which we're going to get into here in a minute. It's interesting talk. And uh, we have the uh, small game season still going on, quail hunters and rabbit hunters. And um, what am I missing? Squirrel hunters. You got to the end of February to go. Right. And then uh, the news is after that, it's time to buy your license again. Yes. (laughs) Those uh, licenses will be expiring into February. Yep. So make sure you start thinking about purchasing the new license. It's fun, fun, fun. The good news is they're not going up this year, okay? Right. So we're, we're cool there. Got a good show for you. We're going to cover, uh, we're going to talk about Stephen Tucker a little bit more today. Stephen is the guy that's got the world record pending deer. He's got it for the Safari Club, which we're going to get into a lot today. Mm-hmm. It's pending for Boone and Crockett. I don't want to confuse everybody, but our guest will help us with all that stuff today. And uh, also, uh, he may be with us at the NWTF show. That's coming up. I've already had a boat show come and go in Nashville, but right. the National Wild Turkey Federation has its annual convention at Opryland Hotel uh, every February. It's going to be here in a few weeks. We'll let you know more about it. Look at our calendar on our on our website. Yeah, Keep on an eye on our Facebook. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Facebook, we did some Facebook Lives this morning. Uh, we did, on we did the day little, we did this show. Yeah, this, this show was shot uh, early in the week or middle of the week, and we did a Facebook Live on a radio show. We did. Uh, in Gallison. W-H-I-N. Yeah, 107 or 100.7. Right. FM, yeah, ten ten a.m. It was a good time. We talked about cougars out there. Okay, we talked about cougars. Yes, there's cougars in Tennessee, but not behind every tree. Yeah. And that's what we talked about today. <laughs> we so. also did a periscope, so you can go watch those. We did periscope will roll off, but the Facebook lives will be out there. You can For go watch those and yeah. check those out. If you're so. checking out our Facebook, you're missing a lot of great information because we're getting stuff from all over the states. Great way to find out what's going on with your wildlife and fish in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yes, let's introduce our guest because we got a lot of a lot of time to talk, or not enough time to talk with our guest today uh commissioner bill swan and uh commissioner swan thank you for being on with us today traveled all the way from dunlop tennessee <laughs> yeah a whole 40 hour and 45 minute drive it wasn't a big deal though tell me a little bit before we get going what, what's dunlap like what are you li- where are you living in that area cool <laughs> well place. dunlap's big traffic jam is when people come home from work in the <laughs> afternoon we've got two whole red lights i would get caught at both of them going and coming <laughs> it invariably when i go to dunlap i'm right in the middle of them so um, no, typically Dunlap's just a small town. We don't even have a fast food restaurant there uh, that's upscale. The biggest thing we've got is Wendy's, and the biggest news in Dunlap in recent years, we got a Walmart there. Congratulations! Wow. Yeah. yeah, is it a super center? <laughs> no, it's not even a super center. <laughs> we still have to go to Chattanooga to shop. To you're not groceries and so forth. You're not far from Chattanooga, right? No, no, okay. uh-uh, no. It's about uh, 45, 50 minutes from downtown Chattanooga. And we got a mutual friend over there, Richard Sims, who does uh-huh. a, a lot of outdoor writing and has been a um, videographer, TV person, was on Wild Side, does a great job, and. And he's also one heck of a fisherman, does a lot of guiding over there, too. So he's mutual friends, a good guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, matter of fact, I went fishing with Richard Sims, um, I guess it was a year ago, and caught a um, 70, let's see, wait, let me get this right. <laughs> I'm about to lose, I caught an 80-pound blue cat. Wow. It was huge. Wow. wow. And uh, mm. yeah, In your dreams, Doug. In your dreams. I know. <laughs> Richard actually invited me to come over a couple of years ago. I had it down. I planned it. Then I found out it was on Father's Day. 
and I couldn't go because family had stuff already <laughs> planned, and that's the last time he's asked me. So I'll, I might I might use some leverage with you, commissioners, want to get you to. Well, you know, I I can remember I remember Richard when he was with I and E here with the agency. Golly. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to come over and see him, call on him um, back in the old days. But uh, my most recent contact with Richard recently was when. Uh, we crane hunted. Richard never had crane hunted before. Let, let's while we're there, let's go ahead and talk about crane hunting. We're going to talk about this world record uh, buck in a minute. And uh, Commissioner Swan is also a, a master a master score for the mm-hmm. Safari Club mm-hmm. International, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and was here the day that the, it was being measured. Um, we'll talk about all of that. It was being measured by Boone and Crockett and also SCI. We'll mm-hmm. get into all that. But before we go there, tell us about crane hunting. I've never been, <laughs> never seen it, know anything about it. Well, it's it's unbelievable. Um, the first crane hunt held here in Tennessee was four years ago, and and uh, we were fortunate enough, my son and my grandson and myself, to be able to get a limit then, to get a limit the next year, last year, and this year. But the first three years, we were pass shooting, and pass shooting involves finding a place to hide. They've got unbelievable eyesight. They're like turkeys. Um, and finding a place where they come over and, you know, shoot them. Uh, typically, to get your three cranes on pass shooting, you're lucky if you can do it in a box and a half of shells. Is that right? Yeah, it's really as tough. big as they are. They're so big. They're, yeah. It's hard, and they don't look like they're moving. But, buddy, they're hard. I bet they are. Well, they big, are. We're talking about sandhill cranes. Yeah, right? yeah, okay. we are. We're not. Yeah, definitely right. talking about sandhill cranes. And when they hit the ground, it's almost like the ground shakes. There's a huge thud. Wow. I mean, it's unbelievable. This year. Um, we hunted with uh, Jason Jackson over near the um, Hiawassee Refuge. Actually, it's probably closer to Decatur, Tennessee. And he had a, uh, has a blind built that looks like a hay bale. And he's got these very expensive decoys, two dozen of them, that cost him several thousand dollars. He puts them out. You get in the blind. He's got a little bitty hole where you can see through it. And um, the birds decoy right in. And so instead of doing pass shooting... We were doing decoy shooting. In some cases, the birds would actually land, and we would wait, flip the front of the blind down, and when they saw, saw the you know the front of the blind coming down, they'd go straight up, and it was a relatively easy shot. I think I shot seven times to get my three birds. So, which is saving a lot of shells. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, crane is delicious. That's the question. We were talking before the show started how good it is. Yeah. Uh, and plenty of meat on a crane. Oh, yeah, and it's called the Red Eye in the Sky. Okay. I was for waiting reason. for that. I was yeah. waiting for that. <laughs> well, <laughs> well that, so, that had to come out. <laughs> do we have a season left this year? Uh, yes, we do, all the way until the uh, 28th of the month. Okay. Uh, to be drawn for crane, uh, to, or in other words, to be able to hunt cranes, you would have had to have gone to um, uh, Birchwood and at the school for the drawing back in, uh, I guess it was in Sept- uh, October it or September. Way back, yeah. yeah. And... Um, they they draw 400 names, three three permits per name for a total of 1,200 cranes that can be harvested, and uh, then you have cards that you have to fill out, and mail back in. This next season, uh, Tennessee is going to allow as many crane permits as the uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service will permit, and that's an additional 1,119 permits, one per person for the rest of the state outside. Would the limit still be in three birds per? 
No, no. On the 119, they'll only be able to get one bird per person. Okay, one per. Okay. But the 400 uh, southeast zone, they'll still be able to get three birds per person. Okay. Right. Now, the people who get the 119 permits outside the southeast zone can actually come into the southeast zone and hunt, use that permit here. Okay. So, um, but the people in the southeast zone can't go to the rest of the state. No. Okay. And, and they can't draw for those 1,100 right, if right. they get drawn on the southeast yeah. zone. So, yeah. 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 And that's where, as Jason said earlier, there are birds. I've seen them on Percy Priest Lake here in Middle Tennessee, but your part of the state is where the majority of these birds oh, absolutely. come in. They come down and that's their flyway for some absolutely. reason. Absolutely. I mean, you know, they just, you can hear them and you look up in the sky and you're looking for them, you know, when you're actually mm-hmm. not hunting. And then all of a sudden you just see them, and they just look like they're they're just barely moving, but they're moving out. I can remember trying to hunt for them in Wisconsin with Mark Goodland many years ago, and we couldn't get close to them. Well, we were trying to crawl up on them, and we we couldn't do it. Their eyesight's unbelievable. And there's a zillion of them with eyeballs everywhere. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. So that's interesting. Then. So that's a hunt that was started a few years ago. And it's an opportunity for sportsmen to get out there and try something different. And yeah. at a time of year when a lot of stuff's coming to an end. Oh, yeah. You can go. Yeah, it is. That, it is. And if you haven't tried it, uh, you should plan on going to the drawing if you can at Birchwood next year. And if you don't have a place to hunt, uh, Jason Jackson, I'm sure, would be glad to talk to you. Okay, good deal. Commissioner Sean, we, I meant to get this kind of earlier. How did you come about being a commissioner where you are with the, with the other 12 folks you're serving with? and? Where'd your interest come in the outdoors? Well, uh, I'll have to start back in 1949 when my uncle Chuck Swan was the first commissioner of conservation under Gordon Browning. And uh, along with, at that time, the Tennessee Conservation League and my uncle, they set up the commission and the agency in the form that we have it today. Before that, there was one wildlife officer, one game warden, as they called it, in each county. And part of his pay came from the fines of people he took to court. That's a fact. It came from writing people tickets. Yeah, it sure did. It sure did, and it it doesn't work that way no, now. No, it's a bad. It was a. It wasn't a great idea. <laughs> but anyway, my uncle, uh, my my father was killed in World War II, so my uncle kind of uh, his brother kind of semi adopted me and got me interested in hunting and fishing and in the outdoors, and from there, um, that's that's how I got started. As far as um, being on the commission in later years, I started wanting to give back something to the sport that I love so much. I got involved in Safari Club uh, and became active in the uh, legislative part, uh, the political action committee. I'm on the ethics committee. Uh, I got involved in the um, Pathfinder program, which is for disabled hunters, uh, and uh, a couple of other committees. And through that and through um, the legislative work I've done with uh, senators and um, representatives within the state and also on the national level, I was able to luckily get a four-year appointment by uh, Lieutenant Governor Ramsey two years ago. Okay, good deal. And and your uncle, um, Chuck Swan, there's an area called Chuck Swan WMA. That's his story. Yeah. We got a lot of deer off of Chuck Swan WMA to help spread across the state. and. And uh, he, I've read about him some in the history's book. He's a great guy. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, an interesting thing about the uh, Chuck Swan management area, when he became commissioner, he, um, and, and this is a story that's in the Knoxville News Sentinel, they said he slapped his leg and said, now we're going to get that Central Peninsula for sportsmen state, you know, to use statewide. And he had even made the comment that if the state wouldn't get, get it, he was going to get it and give it to the state. Mm-hmm. 
Well, he got it, and then the next governor that came in didn't like Governor Browning. And so even though the TVA <laughs> map said Chuck Swan Management Area, they still called it Central Peninsula. So back in uh, the 70s when I was a, a lobbyist for Associated General Contractors and knew a lot of the legislators, they reintroduced the le- um, a resolution in the Senate and the House and renamed it Chuck Swan Wildlife Management Good. Area. That's great. He's and, historic in what we are today. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was told by uh, Director Carter that I have the largest uh, compilation of uh, TWRA history and memorabilia outside the state archives in my house. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, and I've got his badge that says Tennessee Game and Fish uh, commit uh, Tennessee Game and Fish director on it. Oh man, that's <laughs> yummy. That's director, be... Car- director Carter would kill for it. I know he would. <laughs> There's a guy named Larry Markham that used to work here that would too. He collects all that stuff. Yeah, also. I know. I talked to Larry about that. Yeah, yeah. That that is so neat. Well, you, you, I'm going to donate all this stuff I've got uh, when we have a place to display it. Studio I'm, B. Yeah, I've I've got a huge scrapbook of nothing but newspaper clippings from the Sentinel and the uh, Tennessean and several other newspapers that talked about the formation of the commission and the and the agency and how the sportsmen didn't like it and how there was all this fighting going on Mm -hmm. and I mean it's page after page after page and uh, anyway I'm all that stuff needs to go to the agency when we have a place to keep it. And we'll put them, we'll in, put including them in all my old badges. I've got a bunch of badges. Wow. I, I, I bet you do. And I bet we could make a great display out in the lobby somewhere. <laughs> oh, you could. You could, take but, a tour. but I'm it's not going to do it until you get rid of the fluorescent lights and put in LED because fluorescent lights will turn them, just fade them completely out. Yeah, they probably would trade off for some of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, all right, Commissioner, let's talk about something else. Uh, Commissioner Swan was here with us a couple of weeks ago when when uh, Stephen Tucker brought in this beautiful 47-inch rack. and 47 points. points. 47, what yeah. I say? 47 inches. 47-inch. 47 points. Points, yes. And 300 and – well, I'll let you tell what, what, what Safari Club. Safari Club International, they scored it, and also Boone and Crockett scored it. And Commissioner Swan is, is in the SCI. He's a master scorer for SCI. Along with Mr. Bush, Randall Bush, is that correct? Randall Bush, yes. Randall Bush, and then they my scored. grandson Parker Swan's a measurer, but he's a certified measurer, but not a master measurer. Okay, yet. so the three, three of, of us, us were yeah. there. And I'm glad you said that because yeah. I remember him uh, being right there around the middle of you. And, and then also it was being measured by four Boone and Crockett folks that were here, and and they're all scores too that are that have been trained. Uh, and then there also there was a there Harold Thompson deer that I want you to address yeah. to. It was an awesome typical deer. Tell us, tell us what you thought that day, and what, what's um, what, first tell us about SCI, and then what you thought about what went on that day. Okay, well, uh, first thing, SCI is Safari Club International. Incidentally, there's a Music City chapter here that's going to have a fundraiser uh, the first weekend in March. I don't know the uh, place, but Safari Club is a hunters conservation group, and um, they were formed to um, preserve wildlife worldwide. Um, they have a foundation that gives money for projects. Matter of fact, the foundation has given uh, a, uh, probably about $35,000 to help with elk restoration up at Hatfield wow. Knob. Wow, I didn't so know that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but anyway, Safari Club is the largest uh, record book in the world. And the uh, Safari Club's 
record book consists of um, about any animal that can be harvested worldwide. Uh, there's, I think, like 35 different score sheets. And, of course, one score sheet can be used for different animals depending on, you know, what type of animal it is. Uh, Harold Thompson's buck that we scored. This is your score sheet, by the way. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, Harold Thompson's buck, if you look at that score sheet right there, and you measure those measurements that are on there, it scored 184 inches. Well, 184 inches for a typical is, you know, a really nice buck. If you if you translate that into Boone and Crockett, Boone and Crockett only came out as uh, 172. And the reason for the difference is if you have a point on one side that's 8 inches and on the other side it's, let's say, 7 inches, Boone and Crockett deducts an inch because okay. it's not perfectly symmetrical from side to side. Safari Club or SCI does not deduct for that so i'm understanding y'all count every inch that's on the antler exactly not deductions right okay all right exactly except that on harold thompson's if you look there's some points that stick sticker points as we call them off to the side Mm -hmm. if he's measuring it for typical you don't count the sticker points in the typical measurement okay but but if you're measuring it for non-typical then uh, you do count those points. And we measured it non-typical. It's 196 inches non-typical, 184 typical. And like I say, Ben and Crockett was 172. Okay, Mr. Thompson was in here. We had him on. If you can go back and, and look at uh, some of our shows from just a few weeks ago, Mr. Thompson's on here talking about that deer, and mm-hmm. he's interesting. Um, I didn't know. I wasn't expecting him that day. I heard that somebody else was coming, and I knew we had this 47 um, point deer yeah, coming rack <laughs> 47 point uh, deer coming but this surprised me what did it do for SCI how did y'all end up scoring it and where did it fall in the record books well the excuse me the 47 inch point I mean <laughs> <laughs> the now, 47 you got me going now. now the 47 <laughs> point uh, non-typical uh, as it stands in uh, SCI record book first let me say this SCI uh, breaks their whitetail deer down into southeastern Canadian, northwestern, and different geographic because you grow a lot bigger deer in Canada. Now, as far as uh, his 47-point non-typical deer, (laughs) it obviously was number one for southeastern, but not only that, it was number one for the whole world or for the whole North American continent. It beat the existing um, world record, which was taken in Ohio, by almost 10 inches. It scored 324 inches. And uh, that was scored by another master measurer and myself. And then, like I say, uh, my grandson, Parker Swan, who's a measurer. You're talking about Stephen's deer there? Stephen Tucker, yes. Uh Yeah, the 47 point. Yeah. Harold's wasn't 47. What was Harold, what was, do we remember what Harold's was? Uh, Harold's was a 10-pointer with uh, some kicker points. I think it had... I don't know. It had three or four kicker points. Okay. Let me put that it had 12 inches of kicker points. I know that. Okay. And just the point I want to make is is that they were they were taken within 20 minutes of each other, 20 miles. And the really ironic <clears throat> thing is these are two good friends. They were friends. I remember yeah. Mr. Thompson that morning said, yeah, I, I called Stephen and told him about this big buck. And then three days later, he puts it to yeah. me. But he didn't, <laughs> he didn't really. They're just both uh, gorgeous bucks that they both have something to talk about for a long time. Your impression on Stephen's deer, um, you feel like, you know, it's already, make this point too, 
It's already a world record for SCI. Yes, it the is. The day you did it, it's done. We don't have to wait two years for a bank. No, we do not, because once it's certified by two master measurers, and then with the help of a third, it's absolutely the world record. And uh, he will get be getting a uh, plaque from Safari Club naming it as the world record. Okay. Uh, and and not, it's the world record for all non-typical white-tailed deer plus for southeastern zone. And that's quite an accomplishment uh, in Tennessee to, to have a deer that uh, is bigger than something from Kansas or Canada or uh, – you know, the Midwest, uh, Illinois, I mean, because they're known for growing big deer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this has been a big deer year for us. I, I don't know if it keep going on or not, but I've had photographs sent from me by Commissioner Cox, has sent me photographs of deer taking over in West Tennessee, big drop tines on them. They're humongous deer that we're seeing. We've had quite a few in the mid-state taken in Sumner County and, and counties right around it that are real big. Is there a reason for that? Is somebody that's been looking at deer for a long time or are we just having one of those years? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, my uncle told me that uh, when they stocked the deer in Tennessee, they brought deer in from Wisconsin, from Virginia, and from Texas. And so, you know, from different parts of the state, you probably have different genetic strains. And uh, the only way you'd ever know the difference would be, I guess, to do DNA testing. Do DNA testing. But I think it shows that deer in Tennessee yeah. can get big. Oh, yeah. And yeah, you know, like up on the Cumberland Plateau, we don't have the soil conditions they have like in right. Sumner County. So, you know, I shot a uh, five-year-old buck this year, and it was in the mid-130s. Um, and But uh, in Sumner County, that same nutrition goes – they have a whole lot more tr- nutrition if, to grow those bigger racks. If it, what I'm reading about Stevens, buck, it was it's three and a half years old. I, yeah, that, yeah. I, I think that's what Stephen said. Yeah. Also. So. Well, they originally thought it was three and a half, and you know, once you get past three and a half, it's really hard to discern yeah. the difference. It's and uh, looking at teeth, you know, it's <laughs> somewhere between three and a half and four and a half. Right. I want to say this about Stephen Tucker: he is a great guy. He is great young man. He'll be a great spokesman for uh, Tennessee deer hunting. Uh, you couldn't ask for a nicer person to have taken that deer. And he's a good hunter. He's young. He's only 26 or 27, and he's young. But he's he's not somebody that went out there and just got lucky. He's, he's a good hunter, good sportsman, loves to duck hunt. He, he, yeah. wanted, he almost wanted to talk about duck hunting that day more than he wanted to talk about. <laughs> he was working on us about planting fields and all this kind of stuff. But he's a farmer. He's a young yeah. farmer. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had seen this buck before. He said he encountered it two or three times. We didn't get into the story too deep about how what what those encounters entailed but well, he came across it a few times and got it the last well he actually had uh, several trail trail cam pictures of it which i have on my phone uh and he saw it once his gun misfired he saw it again it's too far to shoot and then the third time he saw was, it was he got charm. it Execute. so i mean to be able to see that deer three times I mean, you really have to be good, be in the right place at the right time, and make sure that you have the right wind conditions. Yeah. And that, yeah, there's parts of Tennessee where you're going to – Sumner County is the hot area right now for bigger bucks, a lot of private land there. It's not it's not wide open to a lot of public hunting. But we have a deer that, that we mounted two years ago where you meet, Commissioner, when you're in when you're in national meeting that's almost right behind your head where yeah. you sit. Yeah. It's a huge buck. It was taken illegally. Only a few miles from where that buck was taken, and it's a hoss. It's got that that genetics in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think Tennessee is going to be um, becoming your next hot spot to uh, 
come hunt. And if you're listening from out of state, maybe you need to get an out of state license to come to, come to Tennessee and hunt. Knock on door and ask for permission. <laughs> and if you live in Tennessee and you like to deer hunt, you better go get your license on the 28th of February. Yeah, you know, I talked to uh, he happens to be an outdoor writer in Gallatin, and he was talking to me yesterday. And he said, "I've bought." All this, I've, I've spent all this money to go out of Tennessee, and I'm living in one of the hottest spots in all the country. He's, oh, yeah. he's looking for land now. Yeah, I mean, I've hunted just about every state you could hunt deer in, and uh, and I've mostly concentrated my efforts uh, here in Tennessee now instead of traveling. It's a whole lot cheaper. <laughs> Dude, that's, <laughs> that is for sure. That's for sure. All right. Let, can we talk issue? Go ahead, Jason. Well, I was going to say, Commissioner Swan, he brought some tools with him and stuff that he's for measuring, and I thought maybe we could yeah, talk about that a little bit. Give, show a, some of those. give him a little tip sure. on measuring. That's sure. Great. I'll be glad to. Uh, I've got a rack right here. And for you uh, out there who don't know how to uh, measure a deer, it's uh, – it's a pretty simple process. It's the same for uh, SCI or uh, for right um, Boone and Crockett. So what you want to do is you start with uh, one side. You start right here. Take your measuring tape all the way up to this point right here mm -hmm. and take the length and, that, and write that length down. Then the next thing you'll do is take a circumference here, your smallest circumference between those two points, your smallest circumference here, your smallest circumference here. And if you have an eight-point deer, then what you'll do is you'll go halfway uh, between the third point here and your tip and take a measurement for your fourth measurement. So you get four measurements on each side for uh, mass. And people think that a deer that's real wide scores high mm -hmm. but quite the contrary a deer that has good mass scores a lot better than one that's real you know is uh, that for sci and for boone and Crockett yes it and is for everybody it, it is. is because think about it if you gain an inch four times here and an inch four times here you know you're looking at uh, eight inches okay. on your measurement and and if you've got let's say a, that's probably a 16 inch spread it had to be 24 inches i see now on boone and crockett and sci both if let's say this is 24 inches and your uh, uh, main beam is only um, 18 or 20 inches, then you can only count. Uh, you can't count the whole uh, thing there because you can only count what this length is. Okay. And then you come back and you add in the length of the points, and then you add in your spread. Let's look at. I want to. This deer was so complicated, this 47-point deer. Can you fill yeah. that back up with all that tape on there? I, I want to <laughs> ask the commissioner about that. I, I noticed both when, when our guys here, the, the Tennessee measures for Boone and Crockett, and then when you measured, y'all used a whole lot of tape. Well, what did that tape do for you? Well, there's so many points there, it's easy to get confused. So uh, what we did, we put a tape on every scorable point, and for a point to be scorable, it has to be at least an inch long. And so as we measured those points, we removed the tape, and that let us know that we had that one scored because otherwise uh -huh. you can only imagine with 47 points there thinking, have I gotten this one? Have I not gotten this right. one? You know, and it just it can be a mess. And, and when y'all are doing that, are y'all talking a lot? Are y'all debating Absolutely. about what a point should be and this and Absolutely. We, oh, we talked a long time about what the main beam should be and what the, what the points were on the deer. It's hard to show right there, but we had to come up with the uh, typical points on each side. And um, so um, 
I don't have a pointer, but if you go up here, this was counted as a, a typical point. Okay. Um, point as best as you can. Yep. That was a typical point. Obviously, the brow tines were a t uh, was a typical point, and um, right up right up in there is uh, another typical point. So it, basically, it was a ten point mainframe, mm -hmm. and then with um, thirty seven kicker points. <laughs> <laughs> I was so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you were, but it was fun, and I like it, it. It was fun, and and he's such a great guy. I mean, I can't say that enough. I yeah. mean, he's he is that, and I noticed you got a, a sitting on the table style. You want to tell us how you developed that style? <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a hard time getting up there. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand. Uh, no, um, I had to because I had to I had to put the rack in my lap, okay. and uh, with the other two helping to measure those and holding it and turning it, and there's just there's so much to look at on that rack. And what was amazing is after we got through with our measurements and they got through with their Boone and Crockett measurements, we were almost dead on to what they had. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. If you add back in their deductions, we would have probably been spot on just about. I think we were within about three inches of each other. Yeah, and you can see someone, that's Dr. Russ Goglin in the, in the background, <laughs> and you saw Dale a minute ago. They're finishing up from their scoring and tabulating and – and then uh, this was we, – we interfered with you for a minute to let Cindy get a <laughs> photograph with you, one of our secretaries here, and uh, she's got that on her phone now. But anyway, Commissioner, we're running out of time. We really enjoyed this. Well, thank you. We'll thank you. you I did too. Come back in here, and we'll get you on here. Commissioner Bill Swan. And, Commissioner, how long are you on before your time ends? I've got two more years on the commission. And you're losing – we're losing five in right. another month. And yep. so you'll be saying goodbye to them and, and meeting five more. Yep. Uh, we have our uh, last meeting for them uh, the same time period as the Turkey Federation. Okay. And we're going to set the waterfowl season, and we'll tell you all about that, right? Yep. Yeah. And set it. All right. Commissioner yep. Swan, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you driving, mm -hmm. driving over here just for this today. <laughs> hey, pleasure. watch the show on YouTube, TWRA TV, listen on iTunes. We're out there everywhere. Go to TMWildcast.com to find it all. And watch all the old shows out there. They're there. And a lot of good info. See you next week. See y'all.